Welcome to Manic Flow Money, a simple approach to looking at the world we live in and what could be affecting our asset, saving, and retirement choices. Here's what we have today. First, we start off with the International Monetary Fund and their new policy paper titled Digital Money Across Borders, the Macro Financial Implications. Second, we're going to listen to Jerome Powell. He spoke earlier this week to a few of his colleagues in the international monetary and banking system, specifically in regards to digital coin. Third, we're going to cover more CBDC rhetoric from the U.S. and New Zealand. And finally, we're going to end with an opportunity, an epic opportunity for you to be able to help yourself and other people. So let's get started. First, let's cover the International Monetary Fund Policy Paper. It was released on the 19th, I believe, of October. Because a rapid ongoing progress with digital technologies has increased the prospects for adoption of new forms of digital money, both for domestic and international transactions. These include central bank digital currencies, otherwise known as CBDCs, and the so-called global stable coins, or GSCs, proposed by large technological companies or platforms. This paper explores the complex interactions between the incentives to adopt and use CBDCs and the GSCs across borders and discusses the potential micro financial effects. What I wanted to do was just read the executive summary as quickly as possible. The use of currencies internationally reflects the economic weight of issuing countries and broader geopolitical factors. In addition, Strong network effects and synergies across three functions of money, unit of account, means of payment, and store value act as self-reinforcing mechanisms once the currency is dominant. It has tended to stay dominant. Moreover, the use of foreign currencies for domestic transactions, quote, currency substitution, end quote, depends on the degree of monetary stability and the other country's circumstances, including legal frameworks and regulation. However, Digitalization could drive international use of currencies in ways that are distant from traditional dynamics. CBDCs and GSCs potentially lower transaction costs by increasing competition. So they widen access to services and promote financial inclusion through mobile devices, things that we stare at every day, and open the possibility of complementary services offered on social networking and e-commerce platforms of global scale, basically Facebook and Amazon. If you take a step back and digress here for a minute, we've been talking about how the digital currency from our central banks or the Federal Reserve could be utilized as a UBI or universal basic income to pay for certain social services. I believe I did a short thing uh, in August about that. So imagine the future in January or February or sometime next spring. It's 2021 and they're trialing out UBI on people and what they can do with this digital coin and how they spend it. 
It's supposed to be spent on certain things. Where's the rest of it going? It's safe, but it's also controlled. Back to the paper. The economic consequences and policy challenges depend critically on the degree of adoption. Since the latter is difficult to predict, the paper presents different stylized adoption scenarios to examine potential consequences. They range from niche use to small cross-border payments, to pervasive adoptions in subset of countries, to global adoption of single GSCs, or multipolar world featuring intense competition between a few major CBDCs and GSCs. The purpose of presenting scenarios to illustrate and explore the possible implications of adoption, the benefits of using CBDCs or GSCs for cross-country transactions are conceptually clear, although difficult to quantify at this stage. Very important point. Making a payment or transferring funds across borders could be just as easy as sending an email, right? This could reduce transaction costs to the benefit of the end user. So where's the middleman go? Especially for small transactions, which is what most of Main Street does. And perhaps more importantly, it affords the prospect of access to a wide range of other cross-border financial services, leveraging the big data generated from individual transactions. At the global level, currency competition due to the adoption of CBDCs and GSCs could lead to improved risk sharing in the longer term. Digital money adoption across borders also entails at risks and policy challenges. Foreign CBDCs and GSCs could raise pressures for currency substitution and worsen vulnerabilities from currency mismatches. That's what China is doing right now. They're way ahead of the game. They could reduce the ability of local authorities to run monetary policy without appropriate safeguards. They would facilitate illicit flows and make it harder for regulatory authorities to enforce exchange restrictions and capital flow, basically centralized. In the case of GSCs, there are additional challenges. It's probably why we don't hear about it much. To end, I'll end with this. It's a, the universal membership and mandate for safeguarding international monetary and financial stability. The IMF is uniquely positioned to consider the macro financial effects and policy implications of these developments, both in a bilateral and a multilateral surveillance and a capacity development. So let's stop for a second and I'll stop rambling and we can hear what Jerome Powell said this just this week in regards to where the U.S. is at, in regards to some hyperinflationary printing money, but also specifically about digital money and, and uh, digital Of course, uh, the U.S. plays an, an incredibly important role in anything that uh, uh, is done in the field of innovation. Some um, 50 central banks uh, are at different stages of exploring um, central bank digital currencies. And I want to ask Jay, what is your view on the role central bank digital currencies accessible to households and firms can play domestically but also what role they could play internationally for cross-border payments uh, we know that um, we have had an injection of momentum in this uh, debate uh, to what extent you think that the announcement of the Libra in June 2019 has pushed us to move faster in this area? Jay. 
Thank you. Uh, so good morning from Washington to my uh, international colleagues. And uh, thank you very much, Kristalina, for bringing us together today. And I'd like to start by saying, right, uh, that we are committed to carefully and thoughtfully evaluating the potential costs and benefits of a central bank digital currency for the U.S. economy and payment system, as well as for its international implications. We've been actively participating with other central banks and the BIS in that work, and we feel that that collaboration has been very productive. We have not made a decision to issue it, a CBDC, and we think that there's a great deal of work yet to be done as well as extensive public consultation to be had with all stakeholders before making such a decision. The dollar is the world's principal reserve currency, as you pointed out, and I assure you that we will be approaching this question with great care. That said, something like 80% of central banks around the world are exploring the idea of issuing currency in digital form. The opportunities and, and risks presented by a CBDC will differ by country and by jurisdiction, and the decision whether to issue a CBDC will be made by each individual country. So there, there are several reasons why a central bank might, might want to do so. For example, uh, there are a number of ways that a CBDC might improve the payment system, and it is mainly this area that motivates our interest. These include basic issues such as faster and cheaper transactions, and more complex issues from addressing a decline in the use of physical currency to modernizing payments infrastructure to reaching consumers that have traditionally been underserved by financial institutions. Other potential motivations are more macroeconomic in nature. Each jurisdiction will need to think carefully what its, what its principal motivations may be. And for the Federal Reserve, as I mentioned, our main focus is on whether, whether and how a CBDC could improve an already safe, effective, dynamic, and efficient domestic payment system. Unlike some jurisdictions, here in the United States, we continue to see strong demand for cash. Moreover, we have robust and mature financial and banking sectors, and we have a highly banked population so that many, although not all, already have access to the electronic payments system. Our payment system is evolving quickly as technology advances, for example, with the introduction of instant or fast payments, both private and public, including the, the FedNow service. We think it's important that any potential, potential uh, CBDC would serve as a complement to and not a replacement for cash and current private sector digital forms of the dollar, such as commercial bank money. Uh, you ask about Libra, and, and I agree that it, it highlighted the need to improve cross-border payments and generally succeeded in focusing attention on payments-related issues, including consumer protection, cybersecurity, and privacy. So it's, it's probably too early to say how much Libra will ultimately shape the payment system. I do think it has caused regulators to think carefully about the appropriate risk management and compliance expectations for emerging innovations. And, and I would point to the FSB's consultation on global stablecoins as a case in point. I'll stop there. Thanks. Thank you, Jerome Powell. Captain Powell. This next article is written by Helen Parts. It's in Cointelegraph. Uh, it was October 20th. And staying on the context and in the same framework of CBD, the headline of the article is New Zealand has no imminent plans to issue CBDC, says the central bank execs. And Christian Hawkesby, I think I'm saying that right, is the assistant governor for the Reserve Bank down in New Zealand. And in a speech on Monday, he said that would have been the... <sighs> before the 20th. Hawksby said that 
the bank remains open-minded about further progress in money and payment technologies as an actively engaged in the research. Quote, to issue currency that meets the need of the public, we must take a new and holistic approach. We acknowledge that there is much work to be done, yet we do not have all the answers, nor do we expect to find them alone. However, by working together with New Zealand, we want to be on the money now and in the future. End quote. I found that an interesting quote because, you know, CBDCs are privately owned banks that are set up in company in countries, and they write policy for that country's currency. Now, I try to break this stuff down in a simple man's approach to taking a look at the world we live in, and for a lot of y'all. I might be speaking a total different tongue right now. For some people that maybe have played around with cryptocurrencies, can understand the difference of a stable coin and a, and a CBDC and what I'm actually meaning. Look, it's happening. So positioning yourself, hedging your assets, making sure you're ready for this new technology to come into play is what we're going to do together. And so that's why I really, I, I try to dig into some specific places like New Zealand is saying some of the same rhetoric that Jerome Powell is saying. So Jerome Powell's like, hey, you know, we want to make sure that the fiat money is, that, that paper money in the Federal Reserve note still has value, right? And we're going to introduce these digital coins slowly. And we're going to try to parallel that. That's, that's been the message that I have received and try to share with you guys. And that's what New Zealand came out and said. So you have U.S. Fed Reserve guy, Powell, and you've got New Zealand Christian Hawks Bay. They're saying the exact same thing. So here's where we start to question things. Do we do as they do or do as they say? Let's listen to what Pompeo has to say for just a second. Pomp says U.S. digital dollar needs to happen now. Recent comments from Jerome Powell, the chairman of the U.S. Federal Reserve, show the American government is not especially concerned with speed when it comes to developing a central bank digital currency, or CBDC. In contrast, Morgan Creek Digital co-founder Anthony Pompliano argues that time is of the essence. They're talking about like, maybe we'll build one in the next couple of years, Pompliano said of Powell's recent comments on CBDCs. This is not a next couple of years thing. Palm said on an October 19th episode of his YouTube show, Lunch Money. This is a right now thing, and if they don't act, the US is going to fall really far behind China, because it all comes down to accessibility. Powell expressed the importance of accuracy over speed when it comes to issuing a CBDC during a discussion about cross-border payments on October 19th. We have not made a decision to issue a CBDC, and we think there's a great deal of work yet to be done, Powell said, placing greater focus on building a CBDC correctly than winning the digital currency race. Meanwhile, China continues to move forward with its CBDC pursuits, and has already begun testing its digital yuan. Pomliano explained the importance of accessibility. If I'm sitting somewhere in the world, and I can use an internet connection, and I want a global currency, can I get yuan, or can I get the dollar, he noted. Based on Pompliano's comment, people may gravitate toward the easiest solution, which may be China's CBDC if it dominates as the main digital option before the US enters the game. 
Pompliano joined CNBC for an interview in September 2019 during which he expressed the importance of a digital US dollar. After a year of CBDC interest from numerous countries around the globe, Pompliano's comments still remain relevant. And finally, if you've made it this far, I promise you, you're not alone. And if you're looking for an opportunity to work for yourself, to be a part of the team, to have support, to have training in learning how to trade cryptocurrency and the Forex market. Forex stands for foreign exchange. Cryptocurrency, blockchain, that's the future. Decentralized, DeFi. At Epic Trading, they have a back office in a platform with Epic University that once you sign up to be an Epic Scholar, you are now supported, not only by me, but we're on the same team. You can find the link in the, in the video below. EpicTrading.com backslash Manic Flow. All you got to do is go and sign up. It's $99 a month. If you don't like it within the first week, you can get your money back. Trust me, if you've ever wanted to gain a new skill set and work anywhere that there's a Wi-Fi, from your phone, from your computer, you can earn while you learn and take signals from some of the top traders and trainers in their field. I'm talking six, seven, eight-figure traders. I signed up in pre-launch, what they call pre-launch phase. This is the early phase of this company's rollout. There's a scholar side to this, a learning platform, Epic University, study halls, three different telegram chats, signals, the news network. There's more information and more knowledge, sauce, as they call it, than you, can, than you could possibly comprehend. It's going to take me months to figure out how to get, I'm going to have to go through the university twice. Why don't we do it together? Because not only is Epic Trading a phenomenal learning platform, it is also a builder platform. So built into this is an opportunity for you to share this with others, which I'm doing right now. You might be somebody that loves word of mouth marketing, network marketing, then there's also an opportunity here for you. I myself found this because I was looking for something I could do at home on the side when I wanted to. That's what Epic Trading is. So without further ado, and as much information as I could sit here and spill about what I think about it, the proof is in the pudding. So I'm going to come out with some more content very soon. I'm going to show you what the back office looks like. I'll show you what the app looks like. And I'll share more about why I signed up and more about my journey. Because all I'm asking right now is to take a look. If it's something you've been interested in, take a look. Send me a message. Comment in the video. And again, if you've made it this far, please smash the red subscribe button. And like the video because every day is a school day. And a reminder, I'm a Main Street provider, not a Wall Street advisor.